Are you a counsellor or a psychotherapist wanting to attract more clients more simply? Then you, lovely person, are in the right place because I'm here to help you navigate marketing and remove any confusion and overwhelm that you might feel. Oh, and ditch that critical, nagging inner voice too. So each week I'll offer you inspiration, motivation and practical advice so you can get your marketing done and then get on with your life. I'm Jane Travis and welcome to the Grow Your Private Practice show. It's great to have you here. Hi and welcome back. And if it's your first time here, it's brilliant that you found us. I hope you enjoy your stay. Now, I'm hoping I'm going to be able to do this. It's quite a nice day out there. I've just taken the dog out for a walk. And she's decided in her infinite wisdom that she's going to sunbathe, even though it's a bit grey and cloudy out there. So (laughs) I'll be able to get through this without her barking to come in. So fingers crossed about that. So anyway, today I want to talk about imposter syndrome because, you know, it's something that we all get from time to time and we often talk about it. So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to share with you a really simple trick that can really help to actually prove that not only are you not an imposter, but that you really do know far more than you probably give yourself credit for. But just before I get into like the ins and outs of that, I want to just take a closer look at what imposter syndrome actually is, because we talk about imposter syndrome a lot, but let's let's just take a little bit of a closer look at it. Now, the original imposter syndrome study was done back in the 1970s, and it revolved around women, high achieving women who had trouble sort of taking credit for their own successes. But when you fast forward to today, it's not just women that have imposter syndrome. Men struggle with it, women struggle with it. And really just about everybody's going to struggle with imposter syndrome in some way or another at some point in their lives. And, you know, interestingly, it is often people who are hard workers, that are high achievers, and perfectionists who are most likely to feel like frauds. And there are many doctors and lawyers and academics and celebrities. I mean, I did have a quick look online and there are like lots and lots of people, but just a little look on Google sort of brought up that Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks has imposter syndrome. Maya Angelou, she's famously got imposter syndrome and she talks about how every time she brought a book out, that she thought, right, you know, everybody's going to realise this time that I'm just a massive imposter and I don't know what I'm doing. Lady Gaga struggles with imposter syndrome. Tina Fey struggles with imposter syndrome. David Bowie, I mean, who would have thought? But yeah, David Bowie, Serena Williams, Andrea Huffington, Emma Watson. It's said that even Einstein thought that his research got way more attention than he thought than he thought that it deserved. And to be honest, this list could literally go on and on because as I've said, we all struggle with it. And that means everybody. I sometimes say that I I believe that the only people who don't really struggle with it are narcissists and psychopaths because they just, you know, always think they're fabulous. So if you do struggle with imposter syndrome, you are in excellent company because you know, welcome to the world. We all struggle with it. So what does imposter syndrome look like? Well, it's it's pretty unpleasant. So you could say that any success that you've had is just merely down to luck, merely down to being in the right place at the right time or something like that. It could be that you constantly have a fear of being seen as a failure. And again, I think we can all probably identify with that at some point, can't we? 
there's also this feeling sometimes it can show itself as overworking that I have to overwork because that's the only way that I can try to stay on top of this and meet other people's expectations. Or it might be that you feel unworthy of attention or affection. So if somebody compliments you or says you've done a good job, you might just, you know, brush it aside and say, oh no, you know, everybody can do that. It's not true. Not everybody can. So yeah, downplaying accomplishments. I mean, do you ever do that? I mean, I know I do. I think that's not something that's necessarily rare, is it? And another one that comes in when it comes to sort of running a business or being, you know, even just being in work, holding back from reaching attainable goals. That's a big one, isn't it? So it can affect you in all aspects of your life. So if you have a job, you know, it could be that you, you know, you don't put yourself up for a promotion. So you don't put yourself forward for doing things like, you know, holding training or something like that, or it might stop you from asking for a raise or, you know, just standing up for yourself really. And in business, so if you're running a practice, we really need to be getting out there and being visible. But if you have imposter syndrome, it means that we have a tendency to want to hide because there's a fear that if people see us, they'll see that we're a fraud and then they might criticize us or, you know, we'll, you know, we'll be uncovered as the fraud that we are. Now at home, it can make you feel like a bad parent. I mean, you know, how, if, if you're a mother, you'll know, and I don't know, is it the same for dads? I don't know if it is as much the same for dads. I don't know. Maybe you can tell me about that, but I know for mothers, there's often that feeling that you're just never quite good enough. You know, it's like when my kids were little, it was like, am I being overprotective? Am I not being protective enough? You know, so there's always that second guessing. There's always that overthinking. And that can come from this imposter syndrome of just feeling not good enough. And again, in relationships, you know, maybe in a relationship, have you ever felt unworthy of your partner? Have you ever been really worried that if you don't, I don't know, it can lead to people pleasing, can't it? So it might be that you do things like, you know, go to football matches, even though you're not interested in football, because you think, right, I've got to constantly please them. Because if I'm just me, they're going to realise that actually I'm a bit crap <laughs> and then they're going to leave me. And I don't know if that sort of rings true. I know that I've felt like that before sometimes. It's not a very nice feeling. So, you know, you can see it's really going to have a massive and detrimental effect on your life. And it can totally cause you to self-sabotage as a way of protecting yourself. Now, as a therapist in private practice, it can be that uneasy feeling that somehow you've blagged your way into being a counsellor, that somehow it was a fluke, that you were lucky, that the questions in any, you know, in any qualifications that you had to answer, you did and it was a fluke, that you were just lucky that day and that one day, and this is the thing that's so horrible about imposter syndrome, it's that feeling that one day somebody is going to notice somebody's going to notice that you're just making it up as you go along and that you're going to be uncovered as the fraud that you are. And then, and this is the real stinger, and then you're going to face public shame, you're going to face jeering, rejection, humiliation. I mean, that just makes my, that just makes my blood run cold just thinking about that. So if you have imposter syndrome, it's not just a throwaway thing where you just think, oh no, I just don't think I'm good enough. It can be really serious and it can have a massive detrimental effect on you, not only in your life, but definitely in your business. So yeah, like I say, it's it's horrible. It's really horrible. And look, I'm certainly no stranger to imposter syndrome. 
I mean, when I wrote the Grow Your Private Practice book, imposter syndrome was by my side the whole time, telling me that the book wasn't good enough and that when people read it, they'd realize that I don't know what I'm talking about and and I'm an absolute fraud. You know, so it's horrible. It's really, really horrible. And yes, when I started this podcast, it was there with me. It was poking me and taunting me and making me doubt myself. And it it often is, you know, if I'm not feeling good, you know, if I'm having a bad day and, you know, things aren't going well, I can sit down to do the podcast and I still doubt myself and think, well, you know, why would anybody listen to me? <laughs> so it's there all the time. But the thing is, imposter syndrome is just a massive, massive liar. It's basically your insecurities messing with you. And you know, as a counsellor, that our anxieties are simply a way of trying to keep ourselves safe. Like, you know, you know this, you know, this is bread and butter for us as counsellors, isn't it? You know that. I know that. On a head level, I totally know that. But there are days when I'm not on top of my game, when despite knowing that imposter syndrome is a liar, I start to listen to it when it starts whispering in my ear. And that can have a devastating effect on me personally and on my business because it means that I start to doubt myself. I second guess myself. I don't want to post on social media because I think, well, people are going to be criticizing me and thinking bad things about me. So yeah, there's an assumption that everyone's going to criticize me. And that's part of my past. You know, my dad was a very critical, still is a very critical person. And I think that's his voice in my head. And yet those horrible feelings that ultimately I'm going to be uncovered as a fraud and publicly, publicly humiliated, it's, you know, it's not very nice. And to be honest, it happens with me far more than I'm really happy with, happy admitting, because, you know, despite the fact that I've helped hundreds of counsellors, and despite the fact that I've written a book that's got, and I checked on this just before I recorded this, 138 five-star reviews on Amazon, and two four-star reviews, nothing that, nothing lower than that. So yeah, I've written a successful book, But that doesn't always register. That doesn't always go in. But here's the thing. Here's the really, really important thing that I want to talk about. And that is, I don't let it stop me from moving forward for very long. I might have a day or two where I sort of want to hide away in a cupboard, but that doesn't last for very long because there are things that I do that I used to do that I still do that I find really helpful. So if... I suppose the biggest thing is that I recognize it for what it is. So when I start thinking, oh God, I'm a bit rubbish at this, I'm, you know, whatever it is, when I'm going down one of those negative little cul-de-sacs, it doesn't stick with me for very long because I'll realize that, oh, right, okay, this is my imposter syndrome. This is my imposter syndrome lying to me. And I know that I have a, I say system, system sounds a bit fancy, but I know that what tends to happen with me is something happens and it makes me have a bit of a wobble. And then I realise that, you know, this is imposter syndrome that's going on now. And that means that then I'll do things to help me get out of that. And then I can move forward. So that's what I recommend that you do. So if you start going down a bit of a negative cul-de-sac, instead of continuing with that self-talk of, oh, well, this is me just being rubbish. I always do this. I'm a bit crap. Nobody's going to think I'm any good. I'm just a fraud. If you start with anything like that, then just take a big, deep breath and stop and go, right, okay, hang on a minute. I'm not rubbish. I'm not a fraud. 
this is my imposter syndrome. And then you can do things to get yourself out of that. And that's how you can have a successful practice. That's how you can be a success. Whatever success means to you, because it means something different to everybody. But it, it, that's how you're going to find success, by learning about how you are, how, how it shows up for you, your self-sabotage techniques, and then working out, right, what are the ways that are going to help me? And there's, you know, a few things that I do. So I find EFT helpful. If you don't know what EFT is, it stands for Emotional Freedom Technique, and it's tapping. You've probably heard of tapping or seen it around. Now, there's loads of different tapping videos on YouTube. So you could actually do a YouTube, you know, a YouTube search for tapping for imposter syndrome and just, you know, follow what they do. I actually have an EFT practitioner that I work with, Yvonne Smith, who's wonderful. And I'll put some details about Yvonne somewhere around this. If you're listening to this, Yvonne, hi. (laughs) And also things like journaling really, really can help because that helps you to see what cycles you might get into. You know, that's definitely what helped me. I started to be able to see what my cycle is and how, you know, what helps me to get through it. So yeah, learn about yourself. Get, you know, do think of this as self-discovery and self-discovery is so important when you're in practice. Self-discovery is vital when you're in business and in life, you know, we, we should be constantly learning about ourselves, finding out what makes us tick, finding out what trips us up and then seeing how we can protect ourselves. So, you know, this is always something that's really, really good to work on. So yeah, don't feel embarrassed if you ever feel like this because it is normal. It's pretty normal to do this. But just because you're telling yourself that you're not very good doesn't mean it's true because imposter syndrome is a liar. So here's something, this is what I wanted, this is what this podcast's about actually, but I wanted to actually tell you about something that I do, which is a really, really practical thing. And it's really, really simple. I actually have something that I call a smile jar. And basically I've got a glass jar. It's it's nothing fancy. It's something I found in the back of my kitchen cupboard, but yeah, it doesn't have to be fancy at all. I mean, it could be a jam jam jar or a coffee jar. You know, you don't have to go out. What I'm trying to say is, don't feel you have to go out and spend money on a pretty jar. I mean, you can do if you want to, but you don't have to, you know, you're not going to get better results if you've got a pretty jar. And I always keep some notepaper handy. Now, when I used to do the Lincoln Counselors Network meetings, I don't know if you remember me telling you, but I used to run the Lincoln Counselors Network for about four years and it used to be held in a hotel. And this hotel would always put out these little notepads and I always used to take... (laughs) It's making me laugh. Not that I'm tight or anything, but I always used to take any of these notepads that didn't get used up home with me. And I ended up with this, <laughs> with this really massive stack of notebooks. <laughs> so I'm never short of notebooks, but you know, better than throwing them away, isn't it? So that's my excuse. So this is what I do. So when something positive happens, I make a note of it. You know, I tear off a little bit of notepaper, make a note of it and I pop it in the jar. And that's that's literally it. So I've got mine in front of me now. So I'm going to take a look in mine. So excuse me if there's some rustling. So there's several different bits and pieces here. And I don't actually keep it, I don't keep putting things in there as much as I should. So, you know, it's like with anything, try to make this a habit. So I've got some things here, like somebody said, um, thank you for listening to me. So that was somebody that I actually jumped on a call with who was struggling with something and they thanking me, which is really, really nice. And again, here I've got, 
I can't say the name obviously, but somebody saying thank you for helping me with your web with my website. So that was that's lovely. And I've got one here, complimented me on the book and told me that they told friends about it. So that's nice. I've also got, and this came out with the handful that I took out. I've also got this, which is a um, what do you call it? It's a what do you call it? Somebody sent me some flowers. Somebody sent me some flowers to say thank you. And there was a note on it. And this note says, I just wanted to send you a little something to not only say thank you for today, but also that I care about. Isn't that lovely? That's making me, I would have completely forgotten about that if it wasn't in my little smile jar. So I've got quite a lot of things in here, you know, thanking me for different things and thanking me for inspiration, which is absolutely wonderful. So you know, thank you so much for anybody that ever does compliment me. It really does mean the world. So when I receive something complimentary, if I say to you, thank you, I really appreciate that. Trust me, I really, really do really appreciate it. I notice it and I make, even if I don't actually, even if I'm being a bit lazy that day and I'm not noting it down, I properly make a a mental note and I thank you. In my head, I say, thank you very much. And that reminds me that, you know, what I'm doing is helping people and that helps me with my imposter syndrome. So what can you add to your smile jar? Well, I was thinking about it. There's lots of things that you can add to your smile jar. So it might be that a client that's working with you has had an aha moment. Okay, so maybe something's happened in the counselling room that's just made a shift for the client. Jot that down. You know, you don't have to... You don't have to put any names on or anything, but just my client had a really good aha moment. Pop that in your jar. Maybe you have a new client inquiry. Whether or not they come to you, that's something to be celebrated because they've come to you because they chose you from out of all of the other, you know, thousands and thousands of people out there and they chose to actually contact you. We all know that people sometimes, I've done it myself, I've contacted clients in the past. No, I've contacted counsellors in the past, beg your pardon, and with all, you know, good intentions of going to them. But for some reason, I've just not, and I've very often ended up going to them, but it might not be till months down the line. So if that does happen to you, you know, don't go on a downer about that. Don't think, oh my God, you know, they didn't come to me. Really celebrate the fact that something you're doing in your marketing is working and down the line, they may easily come back to you and become a client. So make a record of that pop it in your smile jar. I mean, maybe you've done something that's taken you out of your comfort zone. So maybe you've done something like you've posted on social media or you did a live or you did a reel or something like that, or just put a photograph up that had your face on it. These are big things, you know, these, if you're not used to doing that, if you're a little bit shy, that's a really big thing. That's you going out of your comfort zone and you need to give yourself a massive pat on the back for that. So jot it, jot it down, put it in your smile jar. Maybe you've written a blog and then you went on to hit publish and then you promoted it. Now, each one of those is worth a mini celebration. You wrote it and you published it because I know a lot of people out there will write a blog post and then they don't publish it. So not only did you write a blog, you published it as well. Fantastic. And you went on to promote it. So make sure that you don't just say, yeah, I did a blog post. Celebrate all of it because it's worth it. It's all worth a celebration. Maybe you did something, again, it's about stepping out of your comfort zone very often. Maybe you did something like you approached a local shop 
and ask if you could put a poster up. Give yourself a pat on the back. I used to do that. I have to say, I really hated it. I'm a pretty shy person, really. I'm quite, I'm quite shy. I am an introvert. And, you know, there are times when I can get out there and do it easily, but very often it's, you know, I, I don't really, that's not something I particularly enjoy doing. But again, I did it because it was important to me to grow my practice. And that's why I did it. And that's why I think you should do it. It's important to you to grow your practice. It's worth putting yourself outside of your comfort zone. So do it and make sure you really, really celebrate the fact that you've done it. And maybe you've previously put off the decision to, you know, to decide on your niche, but maybe you've decided and that is enormous because that's going to help you absolutely enormously. And if you don't yet have a niche and if you're unsure about your niche, well, that's something that I help you with in the Grow Your Private Practice membership. That's something that, to be honest, it's a bit of a speciality of mine. And if you need help with your niche, because having a niche is going to be, it's fundamental, it's foundational. It's the first thing you need to do in marketing. Discover who it is that you want to serve and how you can how you can attract them. Because otherwise you're trying to attract everyone. And if you try to attract everyone, you attract no one. So if you're struggling with your niche, come and join us in the Grow Your Private Practice membership. There'll be a link somewhere around this, but it's full of you know, lots of help, lots of advice, lots of training, lots of live stuff, you know, live coaching, stuff like that. But if you've decided on your niche, you know, like I say, that is enormous. Give yourself a massive pat on the back. Or maybe you've had a client come to a satisfactory ending with you. Massive, massive pat on the back there. Or maybe you've re reached a goal. Maybe it's a financial goal or, you know, the number of followers that you've got on social media or something like that give yourself a pat on the back. Maybe you've increased your prices. Now, when was the last time you increased your prices? Chances are you need to put your prices up. And I know that it makes a lot of us feel really squirmy and horrible. So when you put your prices up, massive, massive pat on the back, put it in your smile jar. Or maybe it's something like you've upheld a boundary. I mean, that's enormous. You know, making boundaries is really easy to do. Upholding them, not so much. So if you've got like a 24-hour cancellation policy and you've got a bit of a tendency to waive it, if you decide, right, okay, I'm going to really keep these boundaries firm, which is good for you, it's good for your business and it's good for the client, then give yourself a massive, massive pat on the back. Put it in your smile jar. Be sure to put everything in there. It could be something as simple as learning something new, like how to format a social media post or how to use Canva. Or it could be that you finished reading that book that was really helpful or something that you've been meaning to read for ages. Or maybe you listen to a podcast. Maybe you listen to this podcast and something happens. You, you know, there's just a little shift. Write it down. Put it in your smile jar because there are loads of things that you're doing that are really positive that you're maybe missing. You know, I think that you'll have small wins daily, often more than once a day, but these are very often overlooked and disregarded. And I think we need to stop that. And again, if, if I always think to myself, right, what would you say if this was a client? This is a great thing for you to recommend a client does. You know, if a client tends to be very down on themselves, say to them, you know, start yourself a smile jar. It's a really easy thing to do. So yeah, I just think it's... <laughs> I think it's wrong, isn't it? I think it's wrong. I think that we disregard far too many things and we tell ourselves that it's nothing, that everybody does this. Everybody knows this. 
but it's not nothing. And not everybody does know that. So give yourself some credit. So how about we stop doing ourselves a disservice and highlight these small wins in a, in a you know, have this as a system and then appreciate the things that you do and the skills that you have and the skills that you learn and the help and the support that you give to people, because it's going to help you to recognize that, yes, you do have skills, you do have qualities, and that makes you a valuable counselor, a valuable person. And by appreciating these small wins, it can go a long way to help you to boost your confidence so that you feel good about what you do. And ultimately, this is going to help you to combat that imposter syndrome. Now, I actually talk about this a little bit more in episode 16, which is called A Simple Way to Silence Your Inner Critic, where I look at a different simple way to silence your inner critic as well. Because when you inevitably have a bad day, and you will, because we all do, don't we? What's going to happen now is that you have documentary evidence of the successes that you have had, documentary evidence of all the good things that you've done, all the things that you've learned, all of the thanks that you've received and the compliments that you've accepted. When you're having a bad day, as you will at some point, because we always do, you'll be able to take the lid off that smile jar and pour all of those pieces of paper out and read through them. And that's going to remind you of all the good things that have happened. And you can't argue with it. It's there. It's a doc- it's documentary evidence. Now, there are other ways that you can do this. You could keep a smile file. So, you know, if you want to do something online, you can keep screenshots of things, of all the positive things that do. It might be that you have a document and you write them all down. It really doesn't matter. But I like the idea of this because it can actually sit on your desk. You know, it can just sit there on your desk with some paper by the side of it. And that will make it really, really, really easy for you to, at the end of the day, think about just one thing that's, you know, at least not just one thing, at least one thing that's gone well for you that day. And if you do that every day for a year, that smile file is going to be, you're going to struggle to keep the lid on it. I mean, how's that going to feel? You know, what's that going to feel like? And how is that going to impact your imposter syndrome? It's pretty cool, isn't it? So it doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter what you use. You don't have to spend any money on it. You don't have to get fancy paper or a fancy jar, or you could if you want to. It's really up to you. Just pick what's best for you and just become actively aware of all the great things that you do. Okay, so I hope that you found that useful. I think that imposter syndrome, like I say, it can almost be like a throwaway comment, but it really impacts us very, very seriously if we let it. It's normal. If you have imposter syndrome, it doesn't mean anything other than you're just normal. Okay. It doesn't mean that you are a fraud. It just means that it's normal to have those feelings. And there are lots of different things that you can do. So try a smile file or maybe listen to podcasts out there that, you know, that work on this. Maybe buy a book that deals with this. In the Grow Your Private Practice membership, I've done some events where I've talked about this. I talk about it in the Grow Your Private Practice book. I talk about it a lot because it impacts people and affects people in a negative way such a lot. And, you know, it's it's just so common. So you do not have to live with it. and You do not have to let it stop you from being successful. I promise you, if I can do it, <laughs> I hate it when people say, if I can do it, you can do it. Because I think, well, how do you know that? But 
I know how bad I get it sometimes and I've managed to be successful and I know that you can too. So, you know, go for it. It's worth it. Anyway, so that's it. That's all I'm going to be talking about today. So I hope that this has been useful for you. And I hope that this helps you to, you know, have something that you can actually just use, a practical thing that you can try. Now, I would love to know what you think about this. So come and connect with me on social media. The best places to find me are either on um, LinkedIn. I always get them the wrong way around. Either on LinkedIn. So on LinkedIn, you'll find me just using my name, Jane Travis, and it's Jane without a Y. Come and see me on LinkedIn and yeah, come and say hi. Tell me that you've listened to the podcast. I'd really like to know what you think about it. Or if you're on Instagram, it's Grow Your Private Practice. So just at Grow Your Private Practice. Again, come and say hi. I'd really, really love that. And if you have enjoyed this, tell your counselling buddies, you know, let them know that this is here. You know, we've got lots and lots of free information here that will help, you know, lots of counsellors and psychotherapists to grow their private practice. So yeah, let people know. So that's it. All that's left to say is have an absolutely fantastic week and I shall look for, and I've just realised the dog's not barked yet. She's still outside and it's not very warm out there, bless her. I'll go and let her in now. So yeah, have an absolutely fantastic week and I'll speak to you again soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this, then please subscribe to the show. And while you're there, I'd love it if you could leave me a big, shiny five-star review. Bye.